0: This morning's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 13, reading from verses 1 to 9, and then from verses 18 to 23. Verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large clouds gathered round him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, the sun fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil. it produced a crop a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. And reading from verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed which was sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it he produces a crop yielding a hundred sixty or thirty times what was sown this is the word of the lord thanks be to god
1: good morning Uh, my name is david day and i worship here at at st nick's this year our family has seen the arrival of three new babies So I've had the chance to study parents close up. And I know this, it is an amazing experience to hold a newborn baby in your arms. Imagine the feelings of the parents. This is ours, we made it. She's got your nose, well, she's got your ears. And they feed her, keep her warm, cuddle and comfort her. They get up in the night, nine times. They let her puke all over them and respond with ecstasy to her smile. Actually, one of the three is a boy, and we look forward to him growing up as well. The parents will hear him say the first word, which sounds remarkably like Daddy. What he's actually saying is, I'd prefer apple puree if it's all the same with you, but they hear it as Daddy and they will teach him to feed the ducks, draw lions and tigers, kick a ball and make a noise like an ambulance. Go forward and see the little girls and the little boy at their weddings. She is radiant, graceful as she moves among the guests at the reception and so beautiful it takes their breath away. And at his wedding the boy is also doing rather well every woman in the room thinks he is the new Andy Murray or Matt Baker or whatever name you feel like inserting and in the years that lie ahead girl or boy they become a friend a companion someone to talk to for hours on the throne on the phone someone to go with you to the match Someone who explain how the computer works. These are the dreams of all parents. At birth, the air around the bedside is thick with hope. What will this baby become? Every parent hopes for growth. Babies are designed for growth. And this parable of Jesus is also about growth in the picture of a seed ideally the seed is sown and takes root in good soil and grows and brings forth fruit a hundredfold that's the dream it begins with the sower who sows the seed scattering it everywhere so god sows the seed of his word everywhere heedlessly uneconomically prodigally wastefully, hurling it around so that everyone gets it, pathway or soil. God introduces himself in the blinding beauty of a sunrise, in the glory of a waterfall or a mountain, in myths and stories, what C.S. Lewis used to call good dreams. In the inner voice of conscience and the words of great prophets and teachers, God scatters the seed in the hope that it will take root and grow. And finally, he inserts the seed of the word of the kingdom into flesh and blood, into Jesus, so that the seed walks and talks and loves and heals. And in the end, bleeds and dies and comes to life again. The sower sows the seed generously, desperately longing for a response. He emails everyone in his address book and longs for a reply, as parents long for a child to respond and to grow. We cannot conceive how much God loves for us and longs for us. It is the one supreme fact in all creation. The world turns on the love of God for us. And of every man or woman in the world, God says he or she is my delight that is the way God longs for us to grow up Alan Bartlett who used to be Vicar of St Giles just up the road writes in his book Humane Christianity God is always the life bringer and that phrase appears I think in almost every chapter of the book Why does it all go wrong? God wants us to grow. Why does it all go wrong? Why does he see so many stunted lives twisted, bending towards evil or petty malice or selfishness or just swallowed up in sadness or frustration? There is a crack running through this parable as if the tectonic plates shifted and split the Earth's crust in two. There is nothing wrong with the sower and there's nothing wrong with the seed, but God gives us freedom and that means that we don't have to pick up the phone. The essence of parenthood is giving the child space. You can't force a friendship to develop, you can't compel love, so when you when you hear him or not is mainly a matter of keeping your mobile open there's not so deaf as those who won't hear now as you notice probably this parable spends a lot of time on what went wrong and Jesus inks in the details in four snapshots snapshot number one the seed is sown and it falls on the sill of the heart and the birds devour it And that's when people think that to know Christ is to lose life, to be sucked dry, to have your humanity squeezed out of you. And if you believe that, well then the parcel that God delivers stays on the doorstep unopened. Listen to an atheist website. If you take up with God and make him your portion then you will waste a good portion of your life. Not to mention giving your hard-earned money to the church, wasting your intelligence on theology, and boring the hell out of people who really don't want to hear your good news. Well, that's snapshot number one, where the word is ignored. Snapshot number two. Someone responds with enthusiasm and excitement. But after a bit, it gets so hard. Friends laugh. they, They view you with amusement. You? Taking this Christian stuff seriously? You? On the nerdy team? You must show me your collection of Cliff Richard CDs. When that happens, there's an enormous temptation to say, look, I got into this because I thought I would get happiness, peace, satisfaction and a comfortable life. And frankly, it's got too hot to handle. That's snapshot number two, the word word is scorched. Snapshot number three, someone responds wholeheartedly at the beginning. But life is pressurised. I remember hearing a woman on television say, I'd really like to give more to the spiritual side of myself, but life's so busy. If I don't work 90 hours a week, I fall behind. I am anxious about work, my relationships, my body image, my career. I could be wasting my life, giving myself completely to the call of God. And that's snapshot number three, where the word is crushed. Snapshot number four. Yeah, I get all that God caused me to joy and delight, sure, but I can get joy and delight elsewhere. I'm not talking about an Aston Martin vanquish, a snip at 164,000 pounds. I'm just talking about the comfort you can buy through clothes, holidays, a better house, a garden makeover, flashier mobile. Maybe you can serve God and be a big consumer. And so the seed dies, buried under a pile of glossy magazines. Snapshot number four. The word is choked. Now, it's only right that Jesus should fill in the possibilities. These snapshots are not just for other people. Any one of us can live out one of those scenarios and sometimes we can live in more than one of them at a time. But that's not how the parable ends. The final snapshot is of seed falling into good soil and bringing forth a harvest 30, 60, 100 times. And you and I can be that good soil. To live in love is more human than living in hate. God has made us for himself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in him harvest of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self control and to live like that is to be a real man or woman as Irenaeus the great second century Christian thinker said glory of God is a man or a woman fully alive the life of a man or a woman Is the vision of God. This week I've been collecting examples of human beings fully alive. I start with Mark Green in his book The One About. He tells of a school a school which needed people to read with the children. Apparently when a child has someone to listen to them read someone that focuses just on them It has a hugely positive impact, not just on their reading, but on their whole development. Anyway, six people went into the school from the local church to help out. And the school was transformed, fully alive. And then I found an article written by a Christian lawyer, and she's writing on the duty of Christian lawyers, To make our lawyering gifts available for the service of others, especially, she says, for the service of the poor, for free, fully alive. My third example is the Big Bin Project. Many of you will know that here at St Nick's we give food and money for refugees in Stockton, and Fiona. Uh, writes about the lockdown period and what happened during the last three months. And she writes, there has been an an amazing response from our St Nick's family. And we have had over £2,700 donated. Thank you so much for those who are really on the margins of our society. And you've given this amazing expression of Christian love. I can't tell you how brilliant it has been to support our refugee friends in this way, fully alive. What's number four? Will Mark Green again. Uh, he's telling how God is at work in the everyday and talks about a man called Tim, is not his real name, who went up to university and was seriously thinking, how do I live my life at university? Now, he was involved in International Justice Mission's anti slavery, anti human trafficking campaign. He also played hockey for his college and was a co mentor of a fresher. And he made no secret about any of this. Anyway, uh, one day in the vacation, he got a text from a fellow student called Becker When you back? Well, Tim replied, and Becker texted again. You're a Christian, right? I'd love to talk about it. Why is it you give your life to this? Well, it was an opportunity that Tim didn't miss. And, as the story goes, further down the line, Becca came to faith. Four stories of men and women fully alive. Somewhere in heaven, God stopped the angels doing what angels do and told them stories like these. These are the good soil, he said, 30, 60, 100 times over. Let me take you back to the parents in the hospital uh, looking at the baby and God looks at you and me Like a newborn child and asks what might this person become I have such hopes for them I long that they might grow up into the measure of Christ I long that they might be a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve as I created them to be it is an awesome responsibility to hear the word of God It is an awesome privilege to say yes to his invitation and take his hand. But God is always the life bringer. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.